Hi, everyone. I'm Matt Lachlan. Welcome to the latest edition of Speak of the Devils, our podcast series in which we speak with former, present, and maybe even a future member of the Devils family. And joined by Chris Westcott, our manager of the content division. And uh, Chris, so excited to have our newest, 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 newest devil with us today, Lindy Ruff, the new head coach. Definitely exciting. Uh, this is a guy that, you know, living in Rochester, New York, uh, definitely was uh, one of my hockey figures that I used to follow very closely. And it's really exciting that the New Jersey Devils are bringing on board one of the most winningest and most experienced coaches in the history of the entire National Hockey League. And I'm really happy that we're one of the first people to get a chance to talk with him as well. Well, Lindy, that is a great introduction. Thank you so much for spending time with us and congratulations on the new job and uh, an open embrace uh, as we do it uh, long distance. Uh, welcome to the Devils family. Well, I'm, I'm extremely excited to be part of the Devils family. And I could say I've always had a little devil in me probably, but uh, it's a different, maybe a little bit different kind, but I'm, I'm truly excited to be part of the uh, team and part of the family. And looking forward to get there to New Jersey when uh, the time arises. Well, anyone who recalls you playing or recalls your days as the head coach in Buffalo or more recently with Dallas understands the passion that you bring not only on the ice but behind the bench. So, yeah, a little bit of devil is always good to have. No question about it. What attracted you to this job? Well, I think first and foremost, uh, just the – the relationship I built with Tom in, in, in a short period of time, in a couple of months, uh, discussions on, on where the team was at, uh, the youth of the team, where, you know, he thought we could get the team to, where I thought that uh, realistically where we th thought we could get the team to, uh, how the team should play. Uh, and I've always been a big fan of, of, of getting the team ready to play and play a real aggressive style of, you know, I use the term puck pressure, a lot of puck pressure. Don't give the team a lot of space. Don't give the other team a lot of time. Uh, and when speaking to Tom, you know, it, everything just seemed parallel. We were on the same track. We were going in the same direction. Uh, we spent a lot of time talking about playing, uh, playing the game on the ice and the different parts of the ice. And everything just seemed to align. We, uh, we had a lot of good laughs during that time. We uh, had a lot of great conversations about how we're going to, uh, handle different situations uh, uh, throughout the uh, uh, throughout the organization. So it, it was for me, it was Tom's leadership that uh, really really excited me. During your introductory Zoom conference, you said that you wound up having a four and a half con hour conversation with Fitzy at one point, and I'm just wondering, what did you talk about for four and a half hours? We, we talked about hockey. We talked about every aspect of hockey. We, we went, uh, you know, we went through even past hockey, how the past hockey was played and where the present hockey is at uh, from how the game has become uh, more of a skilled game where the, 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 it seems like the better teams have the puck more now that uh, part of puck possession and, and what you do with it, how you break out of your zone, how you get into the other zone, uh, we talked about absolutely everything. Uh, we talked about players, former players, current players. Uh, I think we almost covered everything. We, we covered part of his playing career. We covered part of mine. His playing career was longer than mine, so that probably took a little bit longer. But uh, we basically went through everything. 
How important is it, Lindy, to have that kind of lockstep cohesiveness and that ability to communicate with your GM as a head coach in the National Hockey League? You guys have this vision of what you want the team to look like. The way that you mesh on that call and how you've started this relationship seems to be pretty bonded. How important is it to have that? It, it's very it, – I, I think it's – at most it's the number one thing we, we spent time talking about is the relationship between a, a general manager and a coach. The daily interaction, the the fact that he won't have to ask it most questions because he'll know what I'm doing. He'll know he'll know what I'm thinking. Uh, you know that shared information where, uh, you know, he'll ask me, you know, what what happened on this uh, situation, what happened on that situation, and what were you thinking, and and just just sharing that constant uh, information uh, back and forth. Uh, that might be on on the bus to a game. It might be on the bus to the airport. It might be. Uh, you know, it might be right after a, a heartbreaking loss, you know, in the coach's office. But I think that open communication and trust between the two of us is something that is uh, first and foremost for, I know for myself, and I think it is for Tom too. I want to ask you some personal questions about yourself, but this, this stuff about Tom is interesting to me because he's only been an interim GM for six months, but clearly in the organization's mind, he's proven himself. Uh, he has a great pass. He's, he's, won, he's played over a thousand games in the NHL. He's been in player development. He's been an assistant GM. But for you, are you surprised at how well he's kind of shown confidence in himself in this role? I, I was I was truly surprised how how well he handled uh, just the interview process uh, for being a, a a young general manager that was uh, taking on the responsibility of hiring. Uh, who he thought was going to be the first coach. And then I really, I really got no indication at the start. Uh, you know, a lot of times you, you, as a head coach, you have an interview with a team and it may end after one interview. Uh, you know, we had several and just the, the way he handled those, those situations uh, said to me that uh, I thought he was way ahead of where I would have expected him to be. He, Played on the Florida Panthers, captain, went to the 96 Stanley Cup Finals. You were an assistant coach. He was kind of in the middle of his career. You were just starting your coaching career. Um, could you ever have imagined that 24 years later that your paths would cross in this manner and that you would be working together again? Or is that just the nature of hockey? The river's not very wide, but it's awfully deep when it comes to relationships. I think your last analogy, I mean, it, it is pretty deep and you never know when you're going to cross paths with somebody. And I think the, the way you treat people along the way uh, creates that extra path to go down another direction. And, uh, uh, you know, looking back on those days as, as a Panther, that was, that was my debut as a young coach. I coached under uh, Roger Nielsen, who I, I probably had one of the best leaders to to, to learn under and develop my own style, but really on, on how to learn the basics of coaching, uh, you know, coming out of a, a playing career. So, you know, for Tom and I to hook up, whoever would have thought that, but again, uh, the relationships along the way build a bigger paths for you. Who are some of the other influences from a coaching standpoint? Uh, everyone finds their own way. There is a Lindy Ruff style, obviously, philosophy and personality, but who are some of the influences? Um, you know, I've, I've mentioned uh, Roger. Uh, you know, I thought one of my early influences was was having to play for Scotty Bowman, who uh, 
you know, is probably the greatest coach uh, the NHL has, has seen. If not, he is one of the greatest. Uh, uh, so playing for Scotty, uh, you know, how he handled the situations, uh, how he handled the bench as a bench boss. Uh, I have the utmost respect for, uh, for Scotty Bowman. Uh, you know, there's in, in, any coach that, uh, that has been able to win Stanley Cups. Uh, I have a lot of respect for. I really enjoyed, uh, and this we can throw the devils in here. I, I really enjoyed my time with with Jacques Lemaire at the 2010 Olympics, and the time we spent together and talking hockey and uh, and and what a career he had uh, as a player and as a coach. So uh, along the way, I've 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 really had uh, a great opportunity to work with some some great coaches through Olympics, through Team Canada's uh, those situations. I, I just want to follow up with something with Scotty Bowman, uh, of course, coach Buffalo and his great Hall of Fame career. You had uh, a player on defense. You were a defenseman, Larry Playfair, which was always the classic, rough and playfair playing for the Buffalo Sabres. It was just classic, right? But I read that Scotty once put you two as defensemen on a forward line together, along with Val James, who was a great minor league player and a tough guy and, you know, <laughs> one of the early uh, uh, black players who never quite got enough time in the NHL. But did you guys play – did he put you guys together for one line, uh, for one game? Yeah, yeah he, he did He did put us together. I centered that line. Uh, we, we were playing in Boston at the time, and Boston had plenty of tough players. And I think it was Brad Park's quote, if don't get me wrong, but the uh, – uh, he said, I don't think these guys are out here to play hockey. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but uh, Valmore was actually, uh, Valmore James was my roommate uh, when he was called up. Uh, you know, probably one of the toughest players I've been around. And Larry Playfair has been a great friend of mine throughout the years and, uh, and still is a great friend of mine. Well, there was toughness there, no doubt about it. <laughs> uh, Lindy, I want to go back one previous question. You talked about Bowman and, and some of the great coaches that have influenced you over the course of your career. Bowman's obviously at the top of regular season games coached in uh, the NHL record books, but you're not too far behind here. When you look at some of the names and your respect for your colleagues, uh, to see yourself up there in terms of the longevity of your career thus far. What's that mean to you personally? Uh, you know, I'm, I'm humbled by it, really. I, I feel sometimes I've, I've been very fortunate. I've been, I've been lucky. I think I've been around some, some general managers that even through tough times had uh, a great amount of trust in myself as the, as the head coach from, you know, Darcy Regeer, uh, the ups and downs we had here, always, always having my back, uh, uh, to working with Jim Nill in, in Dallas the same way where, you know, it, it was a little bit of a rocky ride, but uh, knowing that uh, they always have your back. So I think that working relationship uh, has got me to this point. And I think it's, it's not something you do alone. Uh, I've had, I've had really good staff. I've worked with really good coaches, my assistant coaches, uh, the guys that you work around, uh, the guys that put all those hours in are, are very important for a head coach to get to where he goes. And uh, to, for me to get to that point, uh, there's a lot of people responsible for it. 
a lot of being a coach is obviously the X's and O's and having the right systems in place. But it seems to me like you lean heavily on your relationships with your players and your coworkers and your general manager. I mean, how important is that as the front door to the organization, as the head coach of a franchise to be able to cultivate relationships with young players, old players, veterans, rookies, and staff? I, you know, I can't say how important I think it is. I think that I do love the X and O's. I, I do love opening up my computer and watching the game. I, I do love breaking down every play. Uh, and I think sometimes that becomes a little bit of a cop-out for coaches. You know, you can look for what you want to look for. You can find whatever you want to find. You can find that video clip that can probably say, yeah, look, I was right. Uh, but I think at the same time, uh, building those relationships with the players, uh, that uh, personal communication uh, between the two. And then that, is, that isn't, doesn't even have to be hockey. That can be sharing a laugh, sharing, uh, you know, where'd you eat this morning? Where'd you go? What'd you do in your day off? Uh, those types of things. We are recording this early in your tenure as the Devils head coach. And so there's such a, a steep learning curve. And we know that assistant coaches that will come later on. But how much do you know about this team? How much do you, do you like or what do you like about the team that you're inheriting? And what, when we do get back together and can play some games, what can the Devils fan expect from this club? Uh, knowing well, that there'll be some changes along the way, because Tom Fitzgerald has said there are improvements that need to be made. Okay. I, I've, I've been a, a big fan of uh, involving the defense and the offense. And I think if you looked at uh, the previous year with the Rangers, with uh, uh, the personnel we had on that back end, I think we were, if we finished, we finished pretty well close to the top as the highest scoring defensive unit. Uh, and we built our game around having our defense involved, having that fourth guy involved in the play, even sometimes having the fifth guy involved in the play. Uh, and we worked at that. Uh, Dave, David Quinn believed in it. He believed that that was uh, part of how we needed to be successful. Um, so first and foremost, I think that's on the offensive side is how we need to play. On, on the defensive side, which is even more important, uh, and it's something I think every coach thinks they can coach. I think sometimes coaches don't think they can coach offense. I, uh, the, but I can coach defense. I can put player A here. I can make him stand there. I can put his stick over here. Uh, for me, it's it's getting five guys back in a hurry, outnumbering the opponent in a hurry before they can establish any time to make that secondary play. Uh, so playing playing in our own end will be paramount. Uh, the amount of time we play in our own end. Uh, you know, I, I like to use that how much zone time does each time each team get as, as a – this is a – indication of where our team is at and if you start winning that battle if you start playing more time the teams end, only common sense says that better things are going to happen for you I really enjoyed in your press conference via zoom earlier that you mentioned the comparisons between this devil's team and the buffalo sabers teams that you coached in the mid-2000s the younger squads can you go a little bit more in depth about the comparisons you see between those two rosters and what really made that group of players in Buffalo click? Well, I, I think if you look at that group that we had in Buffalo, it was, we weren't the biggest team. Uh, we had, 
you know, Roy, Finneganoff, we had Briere, Drury, we had, you know, a lot of what I would say similar players uh, to what we now have uh, on a Devils team. You know, we got, we have, we have Hughes, we got, uh, we, we have Paul Mary. We, we don't, maybe we don't have the, the biggest uh, when it comes to personnel, but I think what made us really effective is we became a deep team when it came to one, two, and three lines sometimes four lines that could score on, on those teams. And we became a very high scoring team because even if teams wanted to use, and, and back then it seemed like almost most of the teams had that checking line. Uh, you couldn't really check us because you didn't know which line to check. Uh, if you wanted to check Briere's line, then we would throw out Roy Vanek and Finneganoff. Uh, you wanted to check them, then all of a sudden you were you were facing one or two of our other lines, and we had a line that had, you know, Jochen Hash, Mike Greer. So we had we had some depth, and we had the ability to score from from one through four in the lineup when it came to lines. The Buffalo Sabers lose uh, to Dallas. I don't want to bring up bad memories. Stanley Cup final. That mid-2000 team, first decade team, had inordinate success. I think people forget. You took over in Dallas, and you got them to the postseason after being out for a long time, and you got them over 50 wins. I don't think people understand how tough it is to win in this league, and everyone wants the Cup. Every ownership group says, well, we're here to win the Cup. Every GM says we're here to win the Cup. That might be the only thing that's missing from your resume, but it's darn hard to get that last four wins. Uh, what has made you most proud of what you've been able to accomplish? And of course, every Devils fan is now praying that the fourth in team history will uh, banner will be raised. But what have you been proud of being able to get teams as far as you have? You know, I, I think the huge disappointment in the 0607 team was we lost, we lost four of our starting six defensemen by the time we finished the Carolina series. Uh, and, and we still could have won that game to go on to the Stanley Cup Finals. Um, so I, I've been I've been a, really proud of how teams have pushed through when maybe some of the noise on the outside has been, no, I don't think this team has enough. And it, it's become a little bit of a fight of, of us against them. And I think that's the, the part that's made me the most proud. The uh, You know, I, I went to Dallas, which I, I, I would use as similar. We, they hadn't been in the playoffs for five years. In uh, sitting with Jim Nell and talking about the team, and you know, we really felt that this team could get in the playoffs. And I think there was a question, you know, do you think the team would be in the playoffs next year? I think any coach that's going to sit here is going to say, "I'm going to get this team in the playoffs," and that's really what I believe right now. And I can remember it was either the second last or last game of the year. We got a point against St. Louis in my first year there, and we were in the playoffs. And the excitement and and the and the emotion on the bench player wide coach wide was incredible because you mentioned it. It, it is hard. It, it's hard to get there. It's even harder to win it, but you have to get there first. And I think that those are the parts that really make me uh, uh, proud. And I enjoy that part of, of coaching. Maddie, this is not really a question. I'm just following up on your point of how hard the grind is to put forth these winning seasons. I mean, you look at the New Jersey Devils who have won multiple cups. They only have one franchise season of 50 or more wins. And Lindy has coached three of those throughout his career. So it's very difficult to compile that over 
a long period of time and to win in this league. And it, I think it just goes to show that um, the experience that you bring to the table, Lindy, is, is definitely something positive. Well, I, I think that I've seen almost everything. I've, I've almost done almost everything. Um, I've gone through lots of ownership groups. I've, I've coached a team that was bankrupt uh, that the, the league, the league owned. So I, I have, I've been through every possible scenario. And I think some of those scenarios will be great for, for Tom and I to, you know, just to relay back and forth between each other. Uh, I think I'm going to need him as much as he's going to need me along on this ride. And uh, when you look at some of those situations, it, uh, it, it puts a smile on my face that you get through them and you're, you're still, you're still able to coach the next year. I'd love to ask you about the Olympics, obviously being part of team Canada's staff. I, I, I'm sure you have some great stories pertaining to those tournaments. And I just wondering if you'd like to share a few with us and kind of what your experience was with team Canada. Oh, we've got some great stories. And, uh, you know, obviously the, uh, the 2010 in Canada, uh, I would just put that under the really stressful category because, you know, we, we felt it right from the start. Uh, we didn't get a great start in the tournament. We lost to, to the U S team. Uh, you know, pressure was mounting, whether we were going to be good enough. Uh, and, and obviously we fought through that. Uh, we got into the gold medal game and, and, and won that gold medal game against us. But I think one of the, one of the funniest stories, just one of my funny stories, but is uh, Jacques and I would be, we'd be talking about who's filling out the roster for tonight. And I said, well, I said to him, I have to fill it out. I filled out last game and we won. So, you know, I fill it out again. And he says to me, do you, do you really think that matters? Who fills the roster sheet? It's going to make, it's going to matter. And I said, yeah, as a matter of fact, I do. So we played the Russians and we had a big game. We, I think it was eight, nine, one, something. It was a big number. And, and Jock came off and he said to me, you know, I tapped, four guys stick on the way to the ice and every guy scored. And I looked at him, I said, Jock, you really think that matters? <laughs> so, you know, we, we shared, we shared a good laugh and he goes, touche. <laughs> oh, what a brain trust uh, there for uh, that gold medal. Yeah, winning, really was. Winning. Uh, and now I forget now coaches don't get medals, but did, um, uh, Hockey Canada provide you guys with replicas or because don't players just get the medals or has that yeah, changed? We get a replica from, from Hockey Canada. So, uh, and uh, got a beautiful ring. So it was, uh, what a great experience. Uh, that one end, I mean, 2014, a little bit different, didn't seem near as much, but we went with a little different approach over there where we really felt we wanted to be, we wanted to build a, the best defensive team, prove that we could play on the big ice. And, uh, you know, when you look up the number of goals we gave up in that tournament uh, and how well we played away from the puck, it was, uh, it was a tournament that uh, all the coaches were very proud of. Well, a lot of experience that you bring on the international stage, of course, in the NHL as a player, as a coach. It all started in Warburg, Alberta. Uh, where is Warburg in relation to the two biggest cities, Calgary and Edmonton? And what was life like in Warburg for a young Lindy Ruff? <laughs> uh, Warburg is not very big. Warburg is about 50 miles south 
west of Edmonton, and it's about two and a half hours northwest of Calgary. So you got to head north and go towards the Rockies, and uh, just a small town, basically, uh, you know, a, a farm community surrounding Warburg. When I grew up, it was four or five hundred people. My parents, uh, my dad was a school bus driver, owned and operated his own school bus, and uh, he trucked and he farmed. So we farmed about, uh, I'd say roughly 600 acres of land. We had uh, two or 300 head of cattle that uh, we baled hay and the, the bale, baling of the hay was the fitness program for in my family. There was four boys. So weightlifting uh, during the summer was throwing bales around for the most part. But uh, I think that the big thing about there is, you know, a small town, we had our own rink. We got to skate all the time. Um, from a family of four boys, we, we played hockey every day whenever we could, and we played baseball in the summer. So it was, it was a great place to grow up, and uh, I, you know, I enjoyed my time there. Just a good Berta boy. Hey, Matt. Just Alberta boy. <laughs> Just a good Alberta boy. Tri <laughs> when, when Brett Sutter was the head coach of the Devils, he always talked about AAA Alberta beef. It's not just Alberta beef, it's AAA Alberta beef. So I know there's a lot of pride uh, in coming from that province. <laughs> well, definitely, we just, we just basically just slaughtered one of our cows and we had our own beef. I don't know if that was AAA or AA or, or whatever it was. I know it was fresh. Uh, it was fresh. It was fresh. Did, th those are some of the lessons that I think people – don't realize you have to learn on a farm because uh, Trevor Linden tells stories too about growing up in, in a farming community and, you know, having to do some castration work, like, and the Sutters would talk about that. Like that was just part of your life growing up, wasn't it? Yeah, no, all that is, uh, is very common. Uh, you know, we raised chickens. We had, uh, we, we had a hen house for, for eggs. And we also raised 150 chickens that every year we, you know, we plucked them, we carved them up and, uh, my mom was in charge of the chickens, actually. My dad was in charge of the cattle and the rest of the farm, but my mom took pride in her chickens and her eggs. And uh, and, and this is pretty common, too, is my grandfather was the one that butchered all the, all the chickens. So if the chicken, once he got his head cut off, didn't run, we were disappointed as kids. <laughs> and uh, so it was we, – we got to see a lot, I can tell you that. Uh, to, to Maddie's point, I think Larry Robinson grew up on a farm, too. So yeah, in Ontario, well, I believe there's a lot of good, a lot of good farm boys playing hockey. Absolutely. <laughs> so what do you, what do you do for uh, uh, fun and hobbies now? I, uh, I suppose you don't have much time to do much farming anymore, but what are some of the hobbies for uh, Lindy Ruff? Uh, you know, I, I play some golf. Uh, I enjoy that. Um, my game is kind of going south, but I, I still enjoy playing. Uh, I've done a lot of mountain biking, a lot of road biking. I've kind of got away from the road biking now and uh, have stayed a little bit more with the, the mountain biking. Uh, boating, uh, do a lot of wake surfing. I don't know if you guys ever tried wake surfing. Oh, good for you. Yeah, wake surfing, uh, not so much skiing more, but do, uh, the last probably four or five years do a lot of, uh, I call it low stress. You just get on a surfboard behind the boat there and you, and uh, eventually, if you get good enough, you throw the rope in the board in the boat, and you just stay stay behind in the wake. So, it's one of our family's favorites, and yeah, you really can't get hurt doing it. You know what I'm really good at being in the boat, maybe with an adult beverage in my hand, and saying, "Nice job, keep it up. You're looking good." 
How did I know you were going to say that? <laughs> Golf, I'll do the wake boarding, the wake surfboarding. I'm, maybe I have to just elevate no, no, my game a little bit. The wake surfing is only at like 10.8 miles an hour. It's about, okay. as slow as, about as slow as you can go, and you, you got to give it a try sometime. All right, fair enough. I will. I will. Well, Lindy, thank you so much for your time. Congratulations on getting the job. And we are looking forward to what you bring to the table. Your resume speaks for itself. The Devils have a core that's ready. The combination of you and then Tom Fitzgerald as the general manager just strikes excitement in my heart. And uh, thank you so much for joining us. And we're wishing you the very best of luck and can't wait till we see you in person and get back at it with Devils Hockey. Well, I can't wait to get at it either. And uh, thanks for thanks for the conversation. Well, that was a lot of fun speaking with the new Devils head coach, Chris. And as we like to do on these podcasts, we find out a little bit more beyond the X's and O's. Because let's face it, X's and O's after a while, you know, you can have a little <laughs> bit of that reaction. They're important and all. But I love the personality, things that we didn't know. And I got to talk to him a little bit more about that line with Larry Playfair and Val James as he centered those two tough guys. And he, he might have been the least tough of the three toughest guys, but he was tough himself. Anyway, we learned a lot about Lindy today. Well, we also learned that he's an expert. I'm just going to say he's an expert wake surfer. Yes. Um, he's a good bird boy, comes from a farm. As we know, a lot of head coaches, some legendary head coaches in the National Hockey League has, has spent time growing up on a farm. Um, and, you know, uh, it's just interesting to me, beyond the X's and O's of talking with him, you know, we, we've spoken with uh, Marty about him. We've spoken with Jake Reynolds about him. We've spoken with Tom Fitzgerald. One of the words that keeps popping up, and you actually just mentioned as well, was personality. And beyond the fun chit-chat and the conversational aspect of this podcast with him, I felt that the way he's been able to connect with veteran players, young players, staff members, different GMs, and he's created loyalty amongst those hockey operations departments he's created loyalty amongst his players um i th really think speaks volume to the type of man that he is and speaking two-on-one -on -one with him right here I, I was i was really surprised at that i hadn't really heard of that that much until we started learning more about it yeah and i i've covered him enough but it's different if you're not around someone on a regular basis it's different as the visiting media just listening to a, a coach's session with the local media and you're just kind of leaning in or you just see them from afar. It's, it's, it's far different. But when you get a chance to sit down for a long period of time, you find a lot of that personality. One of the things that I, I'm most impressed about this hire about is, and I said this to Stan Fischler, we communicated a little bit when the word broke, but how often do you get to hire a guy who's in the top 10 all time in wins? who's taken teams uh, to the Stanley Cup final, uh, to the conference final, who's had the international experience of winning two gold medals for Team Canada. And by the way, I love that Jacques Lemaire story too. Very funny. When we see Jacques next, we'll have to uh, give him some grief. But like this resume is impressive. This is not, uh, uh, we think this guy is it. We think he has the necessary ingredients. He's shown. He's got it. I think you mentioned it on the podcast. Basically, the only thing he hasn't done in his career is won a Stanley Cup, although he's come very, very close. And it's a very hard achievement to accomplish. 
And I, you know, I wanted to do a little bit more deep dive because of course some coaches have long careers. Uh, they go with different clubs, they get hired again, but I was really curious as where he ranks among some of the popular names in coaching today. So I went back and I looked and his five, six, one points percentage across his career is 76 all time now, but that includes a guy who coached one game and won it. And that includes, you know, interim guys who coached a few games, uh, you know, had a good win percentage, but that didn't get hired. So 76, is not really telling the story. So I went a little bit deeper and I looked at some of the guys that he's around in that five, six, one uh, points percentage. And you've got Dave Tippett, who's on his way to the playoffs with the Edmonton Oilers, who sits just 0. 0.003 percentage points above Lindy Ruff on that map. And then you look at a guy like Barry Trotz, who's just 0.007 ahead of him. And he's a big name in the coaching committee to, uh, you know, community as well. And then I looked at Peter DeBoer's stats and, and Ruff is actually ahead of him in his career with DeBoer is just at uh, 0.555. And I'm just throwing numbers at you now, mm -hmm. but I mean, I feel it's relevant that John Tortorella is at 553. And I also feel that it's very relevant that Gerard Gallant, who is a very popular name in this coaching search this year, is at 5-5-0. So when you look at these, this map, this heat map of coaches in the National Hockey League today, and you're like, I don't know where Ruff stacks up. Well, now you know. It's actually very favorably, especially if you look at his playoff stats, which we could talk about all day as well. And we know that in his early days in Buffalo, he had a great goaltender uh, in Dominic Koshik. Uh, but a goalie needs some help along the way. He can't do it entirely by himself. And those teams that had success, uh, you know, it, and this is not a knock on any player. I have enormous respect for anyone who plays even one game in the National Hockey League. But when you think about the players that he's coached, you don't think superstars right away or depth of superstars. Yes, he had a great goalie, superstar there, but he just kind of had workmanlike teams that were very successful. Successful. He was able to take a team that couldn't score much, yes, lean on the goalie, but lead them to a Stanley Cup final. You know, when he got to Dallas, it really was just Sagan and Ben. Then they started to add a few pieces along the way, and he got them into the playoffs in the first year. So he's not been handed a roster full of Hall of Famers. He's elevated the teams that he has taken over and the Devils, quite frankly, have a core that they're very excited about. But I don't think anyone would say there's Hall of Famers littered throughout the lineup. So he's going to be able to take this team and push them forward because his history says so. I've always wondered how much thought, and it's obviously a lot, goes into the right fit for your team. And sometimes I think it's not always publicized. If you look at the New Jersey Devils, they're going to be a young roster for years to come. Their core group of players are just one, two, three years in the league. They've got some really young talent, offensively gifted defenseman in Ty Smith, who I'd love to see what he does in a system like Lindy Ruffs. You have these young prospects coming up. Sometimes I think it's better to pair them with a coach that's seen it all. You have young players that are going to look up to this guy and they're going to say, he's done it. He's been in the playoffs. He's won a lot of games. Look where he is in the league standings and games coached and wins all time. And they're going to listen to him. That can sometimes wear off on players if the results don't come. But where I think it helps having rough is we talked about it, his personality, 
his ability to connect with the human element of a franchise. So not only do you look up to him for what he's accomplished, but then you like the guy himself. Then the production comes, then you're growing with a team. What did he say, Maddie, in his press conference? We're going to grow together. Mm. That's what we have to do. And quite frankly, I really like that. Um, I think it speaks volumes to what this team needs. They need someone maybe not to yell at them and bark at them to get their you-know-what together, but more of, hey, come with me. Let's pull on the same rope and we'll be successful. And I think that screams his philosophy from just the small amount of time that we spent talking to him. I agree. And as he, as he said, when he was introduced to the media, yes, he can be passionate, but he said, don't get caught up with the emotion, get caught up with, listen to the message. So yeah, he may be fiery at times, but listen to the message. And he's known as a communicator. He's known as a teacher. And I think this young core will benefit from him as will the veterans who are looking to move forward, get back into the postseason, which may be sooner rather than later. Well, we talked about the Olympics and his experience there, a man who knows all about winning gold medals for Canada and who was involved in the process of hiring Lindy Ruff as the head coach is the great Marty Brodeur. And recently I had a chance to speak to him about the devil's new hire. And Marty, thank you very much for giving us a few minutes of your time. Take us a little bit through the process on how Lindy Ruff came to the top of the mountain. Well, you know, I think we were pretty fortunate to have a lot of time on our hands uh, in the last uh, in the last few months here, and and then and make a try to make the right decision for for this organization moving forward. And obviously, um, Lindy Ruff was was one of the guys that that we looked at uh, early on, and just because of his experience, I think we have a, such a young team. We wanted to get a kind of a father figure, a little bit, a guy that 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 knows the league, that's been around the league a lot, to really help our young players moving towards the right direction and, and try to get us into the playoffs and, and having some success, uh, you know, uh, in the near future. And Lindy kind of checked a lot of those boxes for us. And, uh, you know, I've, I've had personal uh, experience with Lindy. So I was really excited when we had a chance to talk to him and he was willing to, to go out and, and kind of change his role that from the, from the New York Rangers as an assistant to, to take, uh, you know, to take a, a bigger role in, 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 in being a head coach in New Jersey. So that's uh, an exciting time for us to, to have a guy like that. Like I said, it reminds me a lot of the, you know, Jacques Lemaire era, a lot of the Claude Julien guys that has been there and, and has done that before. And I think it's going to be good for, for the organization and for a franchise. Well, those references certainly would excite the Devils fans. We know what Jacques has done and Claude had a great run before it, came to a quick end, but I mean, he's a terrific coach and he's proved himself as a Stanley cup champion. So you do have a personal relationship with a Lindy. You played underneath him uh, in team Canada in the Olympics. Tell us what you learned about him. Well, he's just, uh, you know, when, whenever you start talking to him, it's funny. It's just, you just want to keep, keep going and talk, talk to him. You know, he's got a really infectious uh, personality. Um, I think his, his demeanor is, is uh, really laid back. I think he, shows a lot of confidence in himself the way the way he walks around the way he talks and and I think uh, our players will will I think uh, benefit from from a guy like that that's been around and, and knows what he's talking about and uh, and one of the things too he's welcome he's welcoming a lot of help around him so I'm sure we'll build a, a really good staff around him to uh, to uh, to help everybody. Well, that is critical, of course, in this day and age. One of the things that, that I like about the hire is that 
he's got a great resume. How often do you get a chance to have someone who's in the top 10 in wins all time in NHL history, yet he's still current? You referenced his time with the New York Rangers. So it's not like he's been watching the game from the press box or his home or his den. He's been heavily involved. So he brings a great resume, and yet he's as current as you could be. Yeah, and then that's I think that's one thing that you have to appreciate, you know, from from leaving Dallas as a head coach a few years back uh, to go as an assistant, uh, working under a young coach in New York, uh, helping him out. Like at first, it was under Alain Vigneault. Uh, I'm sure he's learned there too. And so it's like, you know, it's like a hockey player. You you have to stay current. You know, you have to be willing to learn and stuff. And I think Lindy's like, yeah, he, he took a step back at one point in his career. When as an assistant, now I think he's he's proven that he's he's uh, he's ready to get back uh, coaching a team, and yeah, we're looking forward to, to to have him around here in New Jersey. That's for sure. You also had a chance during your career to play against his clubs, uh, particularly when he was the head coach of the Buffalo Sabers. What's he like to play against? Uh, well, obviously he's the coach. I didn't really play against him too much. <laughs> but you played <laughs> but against I, a team that I know, he prepared. I know he had a really good goalie in Dominic Ashek. <laughs> that helps. <laughs> uh, but you know, it's but funny. his teams were prepared. Like, what did you see from preparation and their diligence and things along those lines? Just well structured. You know, I think some of the teams that he had uh, with you know uh, with Buffalo and even with Dallas. It's funny with Dallas. I was on the on the managing uh, part with the St. Louis Blues when when he was coaching there. And it was a big difference when he when he walked into the Dallas Stars and the way that he he structured this 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 hockey club, and I think he adjusted a lot with with what he has. You know, if if it's a defensive team, well, you know, he's 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 okay with playing defensive hockey. Uh, and Dallas was a little more offensive. You know, he's okay with that too. And I can, I think that's the beauty of it. I think he's going to mold our team with the talent that we have for us to have the better success. Well, it's clear that you're excited about the hiring. I think we all are. We're looking forward to seeing Lindy behind the bench and what he'll bring to the New Jersey Devils. Marty, thanks very much for your time and your insights. All right, no problem. So when the greatest of all time is excited about the man who's taking over behind the bench, you know that we all should be excited about it. But Marty's words were, to me, just perfect. Uh, They were measured, but they were supportive. And you could just get the sense throughout the interview that he feels the Devils have the guy. He knows the Devils have the guy. Yeah, and I think if you're a Devils fan listening to this podcast or you're listening to that interview, it helps to hear it from Marty. And to hear it with a sincerity to his voice and the message that he produced. And I think it goes back to what we were talking about before we kicked to that interview segment, is that they were looking for the right coach for this team at this time. And what that means is it seems like they wanted an experienced guy that could come in and connect personally with young players and a mix of veteran talent and command respect without asking for it, which is, I think, something that really defines who Lindy Ruff is as a candidate when I scan the field. I think he just comes in, he commands respect, but he doesn't have to ask for it. He's a good communicator. And the thing that I liked most about what Marty said there was he had a quote. He said, we have such a young team. We wanted to get a father figure a little bit, a guy who knows the league, who's been around the league a lot, to really help our young players move forward in the right direction and get us into the playoffs and having success in the near future. I think, Maddie, that reads kind of like what we talked about, right? 
checks all the boxes and he remains modern in that he is coming from an assistance position. It's not like when he left Dallas, he sat on the sidelines for several years and the game maybe passed by him a little bit. He stayed in the game and he wanted to stay in the game and he felt that I can learn under Elaine Vigneault and he stayed on with David Quinn, who's one of the bright young coaches in the game today. And so, and coming from the college side. So he was, he's still willing to learn. And now it's going to get added to all the things he's done. And, you know, the young guys should be excited. And I think the veteran guys will be able to say, Hey, wait a minute. Kyle Palmieri knows what it was like to play against a Lindy Ruff coached team. You know, Corey Schneider can tell you about that. So their voices will be heard. The young guys will be taught. And that's a pretty good combination. Maddie, the, the the sentiment that I see a lot of is it's a what have you done for me lately league. Four years ago, he was a coach of the year finalist in the NHL. Four years ago, he won 50 plus games in the National Hockey League. That's not easy to do. During the podcast earlier, while we were talking with Lindy, I mentioned Devils only have one 50 plus win season in their entire franchise history. And this is a team that won three Stanley Cups. What does that tell you? Winning consistently is really tough to do in the NHL. It's something that he's done. And he's done recently. And you said, well, it was four years ago. Well, yeah. Then he went on to be an assistant coach. He took a step back and he waited to find the right fit to become a head coach. We know that he's interviewed for jobs in the past. We've seen the reports. So this turned out to be a good opportunity for him. And I believe the devil's organization, of course, because they made the hire believes it's the right fit for them too. And I, I, I like the point that you made because we do see coaches, for some reason, even the most successful coaches have just an area in their heart and mind where they're insecure. They get off the merry-go-round and they think, I may not get back on it. And they are too anxious at times to take the very next job that comes along. Some of them are successful at doing it, that some others are not. But Lindy had enough faith in himself that he didn't have to. He wanted to interview for those jobs and they didn't work out for whatever reason. But he had enough faith in himself that it didn't have to be the next job, but a next job would show up and it would be right for him. And that's what excites me as well, that he feels now is the time to leave his role as an assistant to take over as a head coach. He likes what is here. He knows he could be successful with this group, with the support he's going to get from, from Tom and the rebuilding, not rebuilding, the continued building of this franchise, filling in the holes that, you know, Tom's addressed, we all know exist and the support from ownership, all that adds up. Lindy Ruff decided now's the time to get back behind the bench as the head guy. Well, for a little bit of more information on what the devils uh, thought made him and Tom Fitzgerald, the right picks for these two significant roles, uh, our very own Catherine Bogart spoke with the president of the New Jersey devils, Jake Reynolds. So uh, let's take a listen to that. The Devils announced that Tom Fitzgerald will be the new general manager, while Lindy Ruff will join the organization as the next head coach for the Devils. Joining me now is Devils team president, Jake Reynolds. Jake, what will Tom Fitzgerald bring to the role of general manager of the New Jersey Devils? Yeah, it's, it's a great question. First off, I'm just so excited for Tom. Uh, Tom is just an incredible person. He's an incredible teammate. He's an incredible friend, executive, and leader who, who has earned this opportunity. And, and Tom stepped, stepped into a tough situation six months ago 
um, and put himself in a position to kind of continue to lead, to put his stamp on the organization and earn this opportunity. And Tom is a, a very, very rare person to find in this business in terms of someone that has the experience that he does as a player, as a coach, and as, as an executive. Uh, to have someone who has played over a thousand games as a player, has put on the C and has been a captain of the team, uh, to someone who has been behind the bench back in 2009 when the Pittsburgh Penguins went on to win the Stanley Cup. Obviously, he was behind the bench last year on, on the Devils front and, and stepped into that role. And then to just what he has been as, as an executive, going back to his time in, in Pittsburgh, his emphasis and focus on player development, which is a, a key focus for us and, and our future here as, as the Devils organization, um, to the role that he stepped into and has been serving as the interim GM over the last six months. Uh, the work that he put in, uh, the credibility that he has throughout the, the hockey world, and just the, the resume that he built over the last six months has shown why he is incredibly valuable and why he will step into this role and do an amazing job. You've worked with him quite extensively, especially over this last year. What level of comfort does that give both of you as you move forward in your team president and general manager roles, respectively? Yeah, it's, I mean, it's been an amazing run to be able to have the opportunity to, to work with Tom so closely. And particularly over the last six months as, as he stepped into the interim general manager role, um, it's been pretty inspiring to watch how he's kind of embraced the role and, and tackled a lot of the challenges that, that have come his way. And it's a testament to him and, and the vigor in which he approaches this job and the respect that he has earned and deservedly so kind of throughout the league. And obviously we talked about the, the experience that he brings as you know, a player, as a coach, and as a front office executive. Um, but Fitzy has outlined his vision for what this team is and how it relates to player development, to the playing style, personnel decision, uh, management philosophy, you name it, since he's taken over. And, and for us, um, it's been amazing to be able to see that come to light and come to fruition. But Tom is just an incredible executive and teammate. Uh, he values communication. He values collaboration. And those are two of kind of his strengths. That, that he has. And then in terms of the pieces that, that he's going to continue to add around him, uh, it's going to continue to build just and strengthen our organization in front office. When it comes to looking for the next head coach for the New Jersey Devils, what were some of the criteria that were focused on in selecting this next head coach? Yeah, and, and, and you'll hear Tom talk about a, a number of factors that, that really impressed him as he was going throughout this process and interviewing different candidates. And you know, Lindy obviously has an incredible track record. He's one of the most decorated coaches in, in NHL history. Uh, he has a tremendous amount of respect kind of throughout the league, both from management, a player, from the coaches, and, and the guys that have been able to play for him. So his experience um, across the board is, is pretty incredible. But when you hear Tom talk about what really inspired him, it was a matter of like the right coach at the right time for the right team. And so Lindy brought all of that to the table, and we think he is, is the right person that is going to continue to, to take this team to the next level. Well, Jake, a lot to be excited for coming from the Devils organization. Thank you so much for the time, and congratulations on naming the general manager and head coach of the New Jersey Devils. Thanks, Catherine. Looking forward to it. We've got a fun run ahead of us. Go Devs. Well, I think we've covered it all in this podcast. Uh, we heard from the man of the hour himself. We also heard from Marty Brodeur and the Devils president right there, uh, Jake Reynolds. And I think uh, his words, again, speak volumes about why we are at this point, why 
the right man for the job at this time has been hired. I'll be honest with you. I think I might have to do a little wake surfing or at least investigate it. I, I, I was enticed by uh, Lindy saying that uh, that's on his horizon on a regular basis. That's what enticed you the most. I thought the idea of having a fresh burger was something that like kind of enticed me a bit. <laughs> what he was talking about on the farm. I, 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 I absolutely love that interview. It was, it was a great time. Um, you know, really getting to know him more as a human being instead of just statistics, um, you know, and quotes and interviews in the past. So I thought that was a, an interesting little end to the segment there. I agree. And we found out so much about him and I know there are probably some, who are listening who were a little squeamish like oh really watching the chickens run around and that was disappointing or not that is life on the farm uh, you know how do you think that supermarket is stocked there are people who have to do that work and if you're on a farm in alberta or out in iowa somewhere and that's your family life you got to learn those traits that's for sure you know what i'm pumped about for so long during this and look there's a very big issue here. I'm not minimizing it. The pandemic is a worldwide issue and we need to figure it out and find uh, a vaccine and we can all return to normal. But for the Devils and the rest of the league, we were in a pause for a long time and then 24 are going to play and seven are not and we're among the seven. So just where are we? Where are we now? Now we have a coach and a GM in place and their plan, we're going to see how they... Uh, talk about it. They have talked about it. And and now what's going to happen in the summer. So it's an exciting summer, finally, after a little bit of a malaise uh, from a devil-centric point of view. Definitely. You know, clarity is a wonderful thing. And I'm sure the New Jersey Devils are happy to have it on their side of things. And I'm sure Devils fans are happy to have it as well. We've seen the social media announce a coach, announce a GM. You just want to know the vision and direction of the, your team. And now the Devils have it. They've signed on two of the most important positions uh, moving forward into the future. We've heard them talk about how they're going to start shaping the coaching staff now in their vision. And uh, we'll wait to see what that looks like, whether or not some of the guys on the previous staff remain or whether there's some new faces on this team. But we have a significant amount of clarity today that we didn't have 24 hours ago. And, and I think we'll that be, that's important. I, I agree. And I think we'll be able to talk about who might be at number seven available for the Devils. And as this return to play goes on, whether or not they have two more first round picks or not, like there's just, it's now starting to build. And so I just hope that the return to play works for so many reasons for the league, for the continent, you know, really for the world that we can just show that we can march forward here if we practice the right uh, protocol. So let's just hope that everything moves smoothly because now I'm pumped. I'm back. Not that I ever left, but I'm back, baby. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm excited that we're back too. NewJerseyDevils.com has a whole bunch of content and fun stuff that's hockey related. Uh, so if you want to learn more about Lindy Ruff or Tom Fitzgerald, please go to NewJerseyDevils.com. We've got I mean, at least 10 written pieces. We have an entire page website devoted to Lindy Ruff. If you want to come look at some of his resume stuff, that's NewJerseyDevils.com slash Lindy Ruff. So check that out. Watch NJD.TV. There's going to be a ton of video clips, the entire press conference from Lindy Ruff, just a whole bunch of stuff to consume that's hockey related. And Maddie, there's nothing better than that in my line of work. 
Oh, man, let me tell you, you and the rest of the team just continue to crank it out. There is nobody in the league who does it as well, uh, as prolific as the New Jersey Devils content team. So we know there's a lot of good stuff uh, coming. There has been, and there will continue to be. So uh, to everyone, keep up the good work. It's it's my pleasure to play this little small role here as host of this and a few other Addy, things. I, I, got, I got your 20 bucks later, okay? I'll give it to you later. <laughs> no, no problem. Getting away cheap because uh, that $20 goes, goes a long way because that was a lot of praise. But I meant every word of it. There's, there's no doubt about it. So that'll wrap things up. For our Speak of the Devils podcast, special thanks to Lindy Ruff, the new head coach for the New Jersey Devils. We wish him all the best in his new role. And of course, thanks uh, for Marty Brodeur, who uh, was a part of the podcast as well in a reincarnated interview. And we heard from Jake Reynolds as well. And thanks to you, Chris Westcott, uh, for your time today. Thanks for having me, Matty. And that'll do it. Thanks very much for your company, everyone. We'll see you next time. Be well, be safe. Bye-bye.